And we are back here on Talk with a Southern Accent. I'm John Rawl. Welcome into the Y'all Show. And it is wonderful to be back with you, back in the saddle. Had a few technical issues going on as we tried to get this thing going on Tuesday. So if you were sitting around waiting for the show, we apologize. But we have, I think, fixed all the bugs and we're up and going and couldn't be more excited to be with you for the next three hours of talking about everything Southern. So strap on, get ready. We're going to have a fun, fun Wednesday edition of Talk with a Southern Accent. After a very, very lengthy little time out here, that's what we're going to be doing on today's program. Coming up on today's Y'all Show, we will be talking about what's going on across the southeast, the latest on Elsa. That's the what was hurricane, now back to a tropical storm. It's about to hit the Big Bend area of Florida today, and we'll let you know the latest on this former hurricane now tropical storm and hopefully it won't be building back any big any kind of big winds and more damage to come to the gulf coast of florida as this thing makes its way in uh on today's y'all or on today's weather forecast front also on today's y'all show we've got plenty of sports goodies that we'll be getting to the latest on the nba finals as they had game one of that fun festivity taking place on Tuesday in the Valley, a.k.a. the desert, a.k.a. Phoenix, Arizona. We'll let you know what's going on in the NBA Finals, plus more news coming in from the world of golf. In fact, on Tuesday, it was a golf game, but it featured two NFL greats and two golf greats on the course together. And I'll let you know what happened on that fun event that maybe some of you tuned in and saw that on Tuesday. So we'll have... All that fun stuff coming up on the Y'all Show Wednesday edition. Then we'll also be letting you know about something that is pretty cool. I'll be honest with you. We've had a couple of days to think about this. And now with great thought that's been put into this thing, we are announcing today the kickoff, the first stop of the Y'all College Football Tour 2021. Get your bags packed. We are going on a 44-city tour of the Southeast, and you're going to come along for the ride. And we're going to visit 44 great colleges across the Southeast as we march our way up to Labor Day weekend and the start of the 2021 college football season. Now, does that sound exciting? Yeah, I thought you would say, yeah, it does sound exciting. And you know what? We're going to start off today. Today's our first installment of 44 And we're going to start at a place where there's a whole lot of excitement going on. And it's not just because they're excited about the wins that have been coming rather frequently for this college football team. They've got a lot more excitement going on besides just winning football at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. UAB is about to open up a brand new football stadium right in downtown Birmingham. That's pretty exciting. They have a program that is the defending CUSA champion. That is extremely exciting. Their head coach, Bill Clark, spurned Auburn. He had a chance to go be the head coach of the Plainsman, and he decided, you know what? I'm going to stay here in Jefferson County, the heck with Lee County, Alabama. That's pretty amazing. There's a lot of good things going on with UAB. We're going to walk through the 2021 schedule for the Blazers. We're going to hear from the head coach of UAB, Bill Clark. And we'll also let you just know more about UAB football. All that coming up this hour. 
and our first of 44 stops across the southeast of the great college football programs as we get you ready for the start of the season in about two months. We're two months away from the start of college football, actually a little less. Also, in this first hour of the Y'all Show, we have Kobe Bennett driving by with a southern accent on the culture of the southeast. That's ahead here in this first hour of the show. We also have in hour two entertainment headlines and sadly some breaking news. A young actor who is a native of Atlanta has just been found dead. I'll let you know about that in our entertainment headlines. Matthew McConaughey, he hasn't officially announced that he's going to be running for governor in the state of Texas, but all signs point to, yeah, yeah, right on, right on, right on, Matthew McConaughey. And we're going to hear what the potential next governor of the Lone Star State said over the holiday weekend. He actually put out a holiday greeting on social media, and we'll let you hear some of that in our entertainment report, plus more news and information coming on in the entertainment world we got a busy show we got a really busy second hour of today's y'all show in addition to hearing from mr right on right on right on in hour number two we have a southern business report coming your way and that's got some great information especially with what's going on as we try to get past the pandemic also we've got a southern political report not only is matthew mcconaughey thinking about running for governor in texas we actually have a republican who has announced he's going to challenge the current governor of the state of Texas for that position to try to be elected to the full election when they get ready to go to the polls in 2022. As Governor Abbott's got some competition coming from a rather familiar face in Republican Party politics across the whole country. And we'll let you know about that in our Southern Political Report Hour 2. Plus, we've got a Southern Book Report coming. We'll let you know the latest bestsellers at the New York Times when we get to hour three today, it's going to be so much fun. We'll have additional information coming on sports across the Southeast. Plus, we'll have more information on the UAB football program, not necessarily about the wins and losses and what we expect out of this program in 2021, but more about the traditions and pageantry of Blazer football. And we'll let you know about the University of Alabama at Birmingham, how it got started. It's really just about 50 years old. We'll also let you know about some of the famous alumni of uab all that is part of our again our first stop of 44 that we're making as we get you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season now that is exciting we have also coming up more headlines and more fun on today's y'all show if you want to get involved it is easy to do that our number is 803-816-1170 it's easy to reach out connect to us let us know what you're thinking across the southeast that again, 803-816-1170. That's a number you can text or call, and we would sure love to hear from you as we bring you, again, three hours daily of nonstop talk about the Southeast. Our website is y'all.com. It is the South's official home page. Okay, the latest on Tropical Storm Elsa. Elsa, it looks like just got past the Florida, the, the St. Petersburg area, the Tampa area that portion of the Gulf Coast of Florida, without major damage, as it did weaken, brought a lot of rain in the last 24 hours along Florida's Gulf Coast. Now, today it is expected to hit the bend, Big Bend area of the Sunshine State, and there's a certain area there, I think it's Cedar Key, and that area is where it's going to be likely ground zero for this storm coming in. And so, therefore, we don't want to discount what's going on today in the sunshine state but it looks like the more 
populated areas of Florida have been spared at least thus far. Now, this thing with maximum sustained winds at 65 miles per hour, the last report we have, and when it hits the Cedar Key area, which is, if you look at a map, the Big Bend area of Florida is the Gulf Coast, and it truly is kind of that corner that makes the the bend on the peninsula. Toward Tallahassee, really nothing's up there, which is a good thing in a case like when you've got a tropical storm about to hit it. But, yeah, we definitely hope this thing comes in soft and then dissipates quickly because it has the potential to scoot right across the kind of panhandle area, that eastern panhandle of Florida, and make its way more toward Jacksonville and then up the Georgia and South Carolina coast. And if it does that, it has the potential to gain as if it gets any of that Atlantic warm waters of the Atlantic, if any of this thing gets over there. I'm not trying to show off my meteorological skills here on this y'all show Wednesday edition, but but we do need to be careful of that. And this thing's definitely going to bring wind damage and or lots of flooding to the north end of Florida and then into South Georgia and uh, the low country of South Carolina needs to be advised as well. But it for now, it looks like we kind of dodged a bullet as Elsa does have sustained winds at around 65 miles per hour, but it could have been a lot worse. Remember, this thing strengthened, what, a day ago to a hurricane off the coast of Florida? But luckily, even places like Key West have dodged a bullet, a lot of rain, some damage, but, but so far, so good on Elsa as it makes its way across the southeast here this week. Now, we're approaching two weeks since the condo in Surfside, Florida, came crashing down. And so far, sadly, no signs of survivors after they brought the building down on, was it Monday night, I think, is when they collapsed the building to try to look for survivors and more. Crews digging through pulverized concrete where the Champlain Towers South building fell. And right now, no signs of survivors. The Miami-Dade County Fire Rescue Department continuing to comb over the debris. More deaths have been announced i think we're close to 36 deaths official death toll now from the champlain tower south building but our thoughts are certainly continuing with that there's still the chance that there are survivors so we only can hope for the best solution out of this thing whenever we get the final you know re- report in from the authorities there in south florida but it's just a sad sad story that's now stretched two weeks now of making headlines across the southeast Al Sharpton came to the South to eulogize a teenager shot by a member of Arkansas law enforcement. You may not have heard much about this story. The guy who is a civil rights headline maker, if you will, opportunist, some would say, a national figure who once ran for president. Al Sharpton coming to BB Arkansas on Tuesday, and he helped folks mourn the passing of a 17-year-old boy who was killed, shot by a deputy in Lonoke County, Arkansas, during a traffic stop back on June 23rd, a traffic stop actually near Cabot, Arkansas, and that's about 30 miles to the northeast of Little Rock. The reason this story is making some headlines is Al Sharpton coming into Arkansas to eulogize the teenagers shot by the Lonoke County, Arkansas Sheriff's deputy. This young man, who was killed, Hunter Britton, was a white youngster. And this killing happened in a predominantly white community, and it has 
drawn some attention of civil rights activists like Al Sharpton, who say that police tactics aren't just limited to the black community. But this is a story that's getting a little bit of news. But good on Al Sharpton for at least reaching out. I'm not sure I would have Al Sharpton come eulogize my team if he were shot. Since my, I, I think it, sometimes these guys show up at funerals for the attention and not necessarily to truly come and mourn with the family. That's just my opinion. But at least he's making some families hopefully feel good. And that's the story this week of Al Sharpton, the Reverend Al in Arkansas here this week. Did you hear that story in Georgia? Talk about a killing, a senseless killing that happened over the past couple of days in the state of Georgia. And this happened on a golf course and the head pro there at Pine Tree Country Club in the Kennesaw area of Atlanta was killed. It looks like he knew something was going on and he went out to kind of check on it. And therefore, by checking on it, he got shot in the head and killed. And two other people were found in a pickup truck right there just near the Kennesaw State University campus. And a manhunt now underway for this suspect. A suspect described as a six foot one person with long hair at the time wearing a white or light colored shirt and dark work pants. And Eugene Siller was the pro there in Cobb County, Georgia at Pine Tree Country Club, shot and killed while going to check out a a disturbance. And this the disturbance, I don't know if you've seen the video. A darn big white pickup truck ended up being parked on the green of this rather nice golf course there in Kennesaw, Georgia. And so the pro goes to check out what's going on. Why is there a pickup truck parked literally on the 10th green of his golf course? And he ends up being killed right there in broad daylight. And then two other people were found dead in that same pickup truck. This is a weird story that somehow I think one day we might be seeing something about this show up on Dateline NBC or something like that. In South Carolina, this is a tragedy from the weekend. Eight and nine-year-old boys killed a 62-year-old man, and now they're going to be charged in the shooting death of this man in the upstate of South Carolina. The eight and nine-year-old boys allegedly shot the man with a 22 caliber rifle. And now authorities in the upstate of South Carolina will charge these two children, eight and nine years old, in the shooting death of a man who was on a tractor when these two boys killed him with this gun. Oconee County deputies responding to a call from a woman that her husband had been shot while driving his tractor around the property. And again, these boys shot him with a twenty-two caliber rifle. They're, of course, being unnamed because they are minors. But yeah, family court has petitioned for both juveniles to be charged with involuntary manslaughter since authorities cannot determine which boy fired the lethal shot. Due to their age, both boys have been remanded to their parents as proceedings continue. Hmm. No, no information now on how the boys obtain that firearm, which again was a 22 caliber rifle that they used to innocent to shoot an innocent man while he was just out on his tractor driving around his property there in Oconee County, South Carolina. Just a horrible story from the last couple of days making news out of South Carolina. A rockabilly performer, Sanford Clark, has died at the age of 85, and this rockabilly star 
who had a top 10 hit back in 1956. The Fool was his big song. He died in a Joplin, Missouri hospital from COVID-19. Died Sunday at Mercy Hospital in Joplin, where he'd been receiving cancer treatment before he contracted the coronavirus. Clark was born in Tulsa, raised in Phoenix, and then in the 1950s, The Fool reached number seven on the Billboard Top 100. The song was later recorded by a whole bunch of other artists, including Elvis Presley and The Animals. Presley actually recorded this song twice, the first time as part of his personal recordings while he was serving in the U.S. Army, and then he recorded it again back in the 1970s. But the singer again of that 1950s song, a song maybe about me called The Fool, Rockabilly and country performer Sanford Clark dying in Missouri from coronavirus. Another sad statement, another sad story coming from the holiday weekend. Two women, two sisters, both dying after they fell from a boat on Sunday at Lake Louisville. That, according to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Tegan Hill was 31. Her sister was Trony Brown, or rather Trony Broom, 28 years old. They fell off a boat near Pilot Knoll Park in Highland Village, Texas, and they never resurfaced. Crews recovered their bodies on Sunday evening, and they were two of four sisters, according to family members. Hill was an attorney in Dallas, and Broom was a former teacher at Duncanville ISD. And again, Two sisters out having a good time on the 4th of July, and they end up dying together, drowning at Lake Louisville in the Dallas area over the weekend. One person is dead after a car race, a race car race, a crash happened at a race car track. That's one of those famous dirt tracks that you'll find in North Georgia and at the Hartwell Motor Speedway in Hartwell, Georgia, right on the South Carolina line is where you'll find Hartwell, Georgia. A man died and two people hurt after a race car lost control at this racetrack over the 4th of July weekend. The car crashed into a wall there at Hartwell Motor Speedway and went over the wall and through a chain link fence. And a man from Royston, Georgia, Paul Ballinger, was killed. Another man and a nine-year-old were hurt when this race car there, this dirt track in Georgia, crashed and went over the fence and killed this man. The driver of the race car was not hurt. Hartwell Motor Speedway posted a statement on its Facebook page asking for prayers for anyone involved in the wreck and thanking paramedics and other first responders. A sad story of people just out having a good time for the 4th of July, and here we see a race car crashing at a dirt track race there in North Georgia and it killed an innocent man and injured some others too. Just I know that's a big, big kind of a pastime going on in that part of the South with dirt track racing. In fact, dirt track racing has become so popular that even NASCAR has listened to the popularity and brought back they brought back dirt track racing to Bristol this year. I don't know if y'all saw that. And there may be even another race planned on NASCAR circuit that involves dirt track racing. And as an alumnus of a dirt track race as a kid, pretty fun stuff, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) We've got more of the Y'all Show coming up, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. We will have you after the break, the latest in Southern sports. So stay tuned to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. 
when matters are hurdled in front of them. They plan to cross it because their desire to make people feel good at what they wear. Raymond's in his Sunday best He's usually up to his chest In oil and grease There's the Martins walking in With that mean little freckle-faced kid Who broke a window last week Sweet Miss Betty likes to sing off-key In the pew behind me That's what I love about Sunday Sing along as the choir sways Every verse of amazing grace And then we shake the preacher's hand Go home into your blue jeans Have some chicken and some bacon Oh, we had a good Sunday this past weekend, did we not? It was the 4th of July, Sunday And if you were like me, at some point Sunday If you were brave enough, you tuned in And whenever you could get a good signal out of these folks you watch the nathan's hot dog challenge deal going on and congratulations to kentucky native joey chestnut 76 dogs down in those 10 minutes and i know espn signal cut out so many of you were pretty much confused about what was going on but yeah joey chestnut kentucky's own wins the nathan's hot dog challenge and as a result, he, I think, has won several years in a row. I don't know how he continues to do it. It is pretty gross. One of the most exciting things of the whole deal was the PA announcer there, the guy that does all the introduction stuff. I need to pull up some audio. I need to learn some tricks from that guy. Talk about excitement. But congratulations again to Joey Chestnut continuing to be the hot dog champion. And he did it on a 4th of July Sunday. This is the Y'all Show. We're continuing here on this Wednesday of the 4th of July week talking about everything southern and let's tell you what's going on with the nba playoffs as on tuesday they opened up the nba finals and the phoenix suns crushed the milwaukee bucks 118 to 105 chris paul with tw- uh, 32 points middleton led the milwaukee bucks with 29 of his own that wasn't enough to overcome the deficit and phoenix takes game one of the nba finals against milwaukee now they take the day off thursday the Bucks and Phoenix reunite there in Phoenix for game number two. That will tip off at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC, the NBA Finals. And I'm excited. I, I think most of us who casually care about the NBA, rather tired of hearing about the same old teams, the LeBron teams, and let's see who else they love to talk about. Hmm, that's about it. <laughs> most of the pundits are just obsessed with LeBron James, anything he says or does is like the world's biggest breaking stories i love the fact that he's sitting at home watching the nba finals and people like chris paul the north carolina native making such an impressive postseason run this year an impressive season period he ought to be the mvp in my opinion although he wasn't i guess they just had the mvp announced the other week and that was the big tall guy for the utah jazz but right now Chris Paul can laugh all the way to the bank if he didn't get the MVP for this year because he's got a chance to lead Phoenix to its first NBA Finals title, I think, in franchise history. I'm pretty sure Phoenix has never won an NBA title. 
and I know the people there in the Valley are pretty excited about the future of this basketball team, at least for the next week, as the NBA Finals will continue on. More West Coast news and some opinion thrown in here as well. As the L.A. Dodgers don't expect to have Trevor Bauer back on the mound after his leave of absence with the team ends Friday of this week, the manager Dave Roberts saying he does not expect his Cy Young award-winning pitcher to be back with the team for quite some time. This follows Trevor Bauer being in the news for allegedly allegations of sexual assault, and he was placed on leave by the MLB last Friday, and that forced him to miss his scheduled start, which was supposed to be, oddly enough, 4th of July Sunday, as the Dodgers were in the nation's capital to take on the Washington Nationals. Now, Trevor Bauer, the hurler, a California native, has denied these allegations and has declined to appeal the MLB's decision to suspend him and have him on this administrative leave. But an interesting story coming out of Major League Baseball, and one reason it's interesting is because look how Major League Baseball is treating this really, really big star pitcher by immediately believing the person that's accusing him of these sexual assault things and kicking him out of the Dodgers and Major League Baseball, at least for the time being. Meanwhile, in the NFL, Deshaun Watson has 22 women accusing him of sexual inappropriate moves, if you will. He's got 22 women involved in a lawsuit right now, and he continues to be on the roster of that NFL franchise, and he may very well be playing in the NFL when the NFL season begins in about two months and will not have missed a beat to Sean Watson. There's a double standard, it looks like. And we all can look at why there is a double standard. Is it because of football versus baseball? Is it because one's a quarterback, one's a pitcher? Is it because one's white and one is black? There's a, Maybe there is something called black privilege? Is that what's going on here? That Deshaun Watson hasn't been suspended one day yet for the Houston Texans. And Trevor Bauer, Bauer with one allegation, immediately suspended and may not play for the Dodgers again. And this is a team looking to defend their World Series title. And they brought in a Cy Young award-winning pitcher and Bauer to help out. And here we go. He may not pitch this week. He may not pitch this month. He may not pitch this year. More to come in this developing story from the major leagues. How about the golf event? Maybe you tuned in to watch the match on Tuesday. Bryson DeChambeau, Aaron Rodgers. That would not be the golfer Aaron Rodgers. That would be the, well, I don't know if he's still a Green Bay Packers quarterback or not, but he's been with the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. Also, California kid, Phil Mickelson. In fact, all four of these golfers slash football players are natives of California. That fourth person in the match was a guy from California named Tom Brady. And they had the match that was televised Tuesday on TNT. And DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers defeated Phil Mickelson, lefty, and Tom Brady defeating them in this match play event on TNT, three and two. That means they actually won on the 16th hole, and they were three up. DeChambeau and Rodgers. In fact, Rodgers had the winning putt to let them win the match 3-2. and two. So they, they didn't even go the full 18 holes. 
people got cheated here because evidently Bryson and Aaron are very good at golf and they were able to defeat Mickelson and Tom Brady. And Tom had been talking talk. He had been essentially mm, setting up this thing to be a victory and into the end there at the reserve golf course at Moonlight Basin in Montana. Beautiful day there out in big sky country. It was a big win for DeChambeau who needed a big win. He's been really crashing and burning in the last couple of weeks on the PGA Tour. And then Aaron Rodgers has been crashing and burning from a publicity standpoint in the NFL world. So congratulations. Kind of fun to see two great golfers and two NFL quarterbacks that are still actively playing together on the golf course. Speaking of NFL quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence has just signed a $36.8 million rookie contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags' number one overall pick, signing his four-year rookie contract earlier this week, and that clears the way for him to attend the start of training camp in three weeks. So congratulations to the North Georgia native and Clemson alumnus with a $37 million payday this week. And big things, I'm sure, are ahead for Trevor Lawrence in the NFL. And there with Urban Meyer when they used to get together. Speaking of college football, former UCLA head coach, longtime coach there in Pasadena, Terry Donahue died over the weekend at age 77. He's the winningest coach in Pac-12 history. Terry Donahue, former UCLA Bruin head football coach, dying 4th of July at the age of 77. And that will wrap up some of the sports stuff today. I'm going to tell you more as we continue on with today's Y'all Show about this NIL. There have been some big stories that have come out in just the last day or two about the name, image, likeness, breaking development from last week and how ridiculous this thing is going to continue to be. And you're not going to believe some of the financial numbers that are being reported. And I'll share with you some of that and some of my thoughts later on in today's Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to switch over to talking about the UAB Blazers. The UAB Blazers, the first stop of our 44-city tour of the Southeast as we get you ready for the start of college football season, Labor Day weekend. We're going to tell you all about Blazer Football 2021. We'll hear from the head coach, Bill Clark, and let you know more about the defending CUSA champions. UAB football, we're spotlighting it next on the Y'all Show. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. Well, with an intro like that, fellas and gals out there, I can't wait to tell you all about the UAB Blazers. That is our first stop of a 44-city tour of the Southeast here as we get you ready for the start of college football 2021. The Blazers out of Conference USA, the defending CUSA champions. We're going to spend the next few minutes getting you ready for UAB football's 2021 start they have a lot of excitement going on in downtown birmingham 
so much so that it is because of the excitement off the field and really on the field, too, in this case, why we're giving UAB our first stop on this 44-city tour. The Blazers will be opening the brand-new protective stadium right there in the Magic City, and this is an amazing 40-something thousand-seat stadium. 47,000 is the actual attendance of capacity for this beautiful, almost $200 million stadium that's being built and will be ready for the start of UAB football in just a few weeks. So they've got a new stadium, they have a winning football program, and that's why UAB is our first stop of the y'all getting you ready for the start of 2021 tour that starts today. And I'm John Rawl, thanking you for being a part of the fun. Let's tell you about what UAB has in store for this coming season. Remember, this is a program that had its first season just 30 years ago. 1991 was the season that UAB started. Bill Clark comes over a few years ago from Jacksonville State to be the Blazer football team coach. And I think it was just after one season of coaching the Blazers there at that time at Legion Field, UAB decides as a school and the, I guess the officials more in Tuscaloosa (laughs) decide to kill the program. And so UAB football was terminated after the 2014 season. But people got mad. Maybe this was the beginning of the social justice movement. They got mad, started having rallies and started, I guess, picketing. And in the end, it was only just one year, I think, of them not playing any kind of football that UAB football, after a technical two-season break, returned for the start of the 2017 season. And they ended up having a tremendous run starting in 2017. And that's why today, the rebirth, coming out of the ashes of having a program shut down just a few years ago, the UAB Blazers are our spotlight of today's y'all show. They won the Conference USA Championship last year with a 6-3 and three conference mark. Uh, overall mark. They were 3-1 and one in CUSA football. Of course, last year was completely nuts with the way stuff was set up for college football. But UAB also won the CUSA Championship back in 2018, also with Bill Clark. Bill Clark is one heck of a football coach. In fact, Bill Clark, at now just 40, or rather 53 years old, he's a native of Alabama, born in Anniston. He went to Jacksonville State. He's been a coach. He was a assistant coach for a long time at Tuscaloosa County High School, county high there in county number 63, Tuscaloosa County. He was a head coach of the Prattville Lions down in the Montgomery area for a number of years. Then he got to be the head coach at Jacksonville State and did such a great job in just one season for the Gamecocks, going 11-4 and and losing in a quarterfinal matchup in the FCS playoffs that he got a chance to be UAB's coach. He coached just one season, 2014, before they shut the program down back in 2014. And then he comes back in 2017, the restart, and had a winning record and even went to the Bahamas Bowl. They lost that game, but he had a 2017 record of 8 and 5, followed that up 2018 11 and 3. They ended up having a great year in 2019, 9 and 5, winning their division. And then 2020 Conference USA Champions were going to play in the Gasparilla Bowl against the South Carolina Gamecocks. Coronavirus outbreak for the Gamecocks forced that 
bowl game did not happen. But UAB could have beaten an SEC team in a bowl game if they had been given a shot at the end of last year. But they finished 6-3 and three in 2020. And again, we're CSA champions. This is a program that's on the move. Bill Clark is on the move. He's on the move so much so that he was offered the Auburn job and, from what I understand, turned it down to stay at UAB. UAB this year, they open up the season, not in Birmingham. They're going to be in the state capitol to open up their season as they'll be opening up at the Crompton Bowl in the capital city of the Heart of Dixie. And guess what? UAB is playing on a neutral site to open up their season against Bill Clark's old employer, Jacksonville State. How about that? A group of five school playing an FCS school at a neutral site. That's what you're going to have when these two get together on September 1st. That's Wednesday of Labor Day weekend. So you're going to have this game on a Wednesday night followed by a bunch of games Thursday night, more on Friday, more on Saturday, more on Sunday, and a game on Monday of Labor Day weekend. But sure enough, it's the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery where UAB hosts or will play on a neutral site against the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. That week is going to be fun. Then they get to wait until Saturday of the following week when the Blazers go between the hedges and the Georgia Bulldogs will be welcoming them in, the Blazers, for a September 11th game there at Sanford Stadium. UAB will play at North Texas on September 18th. They'll be at Tulane on September 25th. And then finally, October 6th, or October 2nd, UAB has its home opener at the brand new Protective Stadium in downtown Birmingham. Again, let me remind you, Protective Stadium is a beautiful place. I just saw it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It's a beautiful brick structure. It actually looks a lot like Legion Field from the outside, in my opinion, which is what it's replacing for UAB football. But this stadium is going to not only host UAB football, it's going to be the host of the Magic City Classic. That is the game held each year between Alabama State and Alabama A&M out of the SWAC. Those two teams get together annually in October in Birmingham. It's also going to be the home of the Birmingham Bowl, and it is a great place just to the north of downtown Birmingham. It's right beside the SEC office, if y'all know where that is. It is right beside where Topgolf is now located in Birmingham, also right near the BJCC. And I think there's an arena that used to be the BJC Civic Center. I think it's called like Protective Arena. Or I forgot what it's called. Uh, it's a basketball place. Anyway, up Uh, kind of that north side of interstate 20 and 59 is where you'll find protective stadium and kudos for uab for pulling this thing off it ought to be pretty fun to sit there and watch a college football game truly in downtown birmingham and that's what you've got now with this bill clark is the coach of the blazers and he was recently interviewed on cbs sports radio after hours host amy lawrence had a conversation with the Again, 52, 53-year-old head coach of the Blazers. Let's go in and hear what the coach said about his forthcoming UAB Blazer football team as it gets ready again to take on the Jacksonville State Gamecocks on September 1st. And That was one of my goals was new facility, new stadium. And the, and the stadium, of course, is for Birmingham. And I think just to see the people come together and, um, and say, okay, we can do this. And literally, you've got the city, the county, UAB, uh, the BJCC. I mean, you got all these entities that really came together, and now 
you know, I got to take another tour yesterday at the new stadium. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, you know, you're talking about, you know, the newest stadium in the country and just amenities and downtown or, or really right off the interstate. I mean, it's just going to be such a great venue for, for college football and other events, of course. But just, you know, it's it's a, obviously a huge for UAB, but it's also huge for, for the city of Birmingham. Well, to me, it's all about training now. And, you know, I'm an old high school coach, so I, you know, I love the, this is, you know, this is one of my favorite times is to watch guys get bigger and stronger and faster. And um, so we're all into training now. And if you, I don't know if you've looked at next year's schedule, but I mean, I think relatively speaking, we might have one of the toughest in the country. And uh, so, you know, we got work to do and, and, you know, there's no resting on your laurels and, you know, we got a great schedule in front of us and it's just getting better every day and, and each guy trying to make himself better. You know, I think we want to be a team that, you know, obviously it's it's what you do every every game every day, and we're for sure not uh, arrogant in any way because we've got so much work to do. But I, you know, I do think that now we we are at a place that you know our guys expect to win. They're proud of what we've done, and uh, I just you know you were talking about recruiting. I just in the recruits we're starting to get in the conversations we're in which is what I've always said UAB and Birmingham should be in those conversations. And, you know, I think the new stadium, which, you know, nobody's really even seen it yet. I think that's going to be a game changer for us in recruiting. <laughs> and, you know, and I think that's the next step for us. If we want to be considered, you know, a team that's got a chance to be in the top 25, not necessarily a top 25 team all the time, but just to have a chance to be there um, and be in every single game, that's, that's what we want. And that was Bill Clark, head coach of the UAB Blazers, again, interviewed – on After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. UAB with that home opener at the brand-new stadium they've got in downtown Birmingham. Hugh Freeze and the Liberty Flames will be the opponent when that happens October 2nd. The Blazers' CUSO opener is also their conference opener at home as Florida Atlantic comes into Birmingham for a game on October 9th. The Blazers will be traveling down Interstate 59 to Hattiesburg where Southern Miss is the opponent on the 16th of October. The Rice Owls check into Protective Stadium for a game on the 23rd of October. That's also homecoming for Blazer fans. The Blazers will be back at Birmingham for a game against the La Tech Bulldogs on November 6th. They'll be on the road at Marshall November 13th. They'll be visiting the Roadrunners of UTSA on November 20th. And then they wind up the regular season against the UTEP Miners at Protective Stadium on November 27th. Again, the defending CUSA champion UAB Blazers, our spotlight here, the first of 44 stops we're making here on the Y'all Show, getting you ready for the start of college football Labor Day weekend. And, oh, by the way, if you're keeping score at home, we now, according to UAB's calendar, and the fact that they're playing September 1st, which is a little bit earlier than most of the teams across the Southeast, UAB reminds you that we're now 56 days away from the start of their season in Montgomery against the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. So we're less than two months away, y'all, from the start of college football. We're not done talking about UAB. In hour three of today's y'all show, we'll be coming back to tell you all about the traditions and pageantry of Blazer football. If you do make it into protective for a game this year, we're going to let you know what some of the fun traditions of UAB football are what they are, some of the famous alumni of the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And again, this is just the first of 44 stops. In fact, I'll go ahead and give you a little a little bit of a preview of who we've got coming up on the Thursday y'all show. We're actually going to double dip. We're going to go to two different schools on Thursday show because we got to make up. We were 
having some problems on our Tuesday show. We were supposed to kick this thing off on Tuesday. I've got two schools in the spotlight on Thursday, the Memphis Tigers and the Sam Houston State Bearcats. So we're going to learn all about Beale Street and what's going on with the Memphis Tigers of the American. And then, speaking of change, speaking of excitement, the Sam Houston State Bearcats out of the FCS are national champions of FCS football. They've already won a championship this year. We'll let you know about that. But also, Sam Houston State is off and blazing a new trail in a brand new conference for them. And I'll discuss that when we talk about the Bearcats and the Memphis Tigers on our 44-city tour of the Southeast. And that will continue on on the Thursday y'all show. Again, we normally will just be doing one school at a time. But because we kind of had a little hiccup here technical-wise this week, I'm going to squeeze in the Bearcats when we get together on Thursday. We also have coming up on Friday a spotlight on the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. And that'll wrap up our 44-city tour for this week here of what we have planned for you. When we come back on the Y'all Show, Kobe Bennett will be dropping by. He has a Southern report on Southern culture, and that is coming up next on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Southern Accent. Here's an accent on the South from Y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. New Orleans is looking to provide citywide Wi-Fi, allowing free wireless access for homes currently lacking in connection or for residents who cannot afford it. Officials have stated that the project could be developed at no cost to the city, with federal grants covering part of the cost, with vendors selling collected data to make up for out-of-pocket investments. However, concerns have been raised in regard to cybersecurity, as New Orleans had to spend more than $7 million in a December 2019 ransomware attack that took out many city departments and required an entire security overhaul of the IT system. And it was just one of many cyber attacks targeting governmental bodies. Introducing a new free public Wi-Fi network raises the chances for hackers looking to steal personal information. Bob Oster, CEO of Inspire Technologies in Harahan, Louisiana, has suggested that city officials should look for a vendor that provides separate login info for individual users in order to better avoid data theft. The city wants to use a vendor that can help aid in city functions, such as street lighting, traffic and water management, disaster response, and wayfinding. Hopefully, the city can achieve this lofty goal while making it safe for the general public. Southern fun and more at y'all.com. All right, Kobe, thank you for that accent on Southern culture. And that will wrap up our first hour of this Wednesday Y'all Show. When we come back in hour two, you don't want to miss out on the fun. We've got a lot of stuff that we're going to be covering. We've got a look at entertainment headlines. We've got a business report coming your way in hour number two. We'll let you know the latest in Southern politics, including one Republican that says, you know what? I'm going to challenge Greg Abbott for governor of Texas in the Republican primary. I'll let you know who that is, plus a look at the bestsellers on the New York Times list. All that coming up in hour number two. Why don't you say we take a quick break, come right back, and get into the fun of the Y'all Show. Each and every day, we give you three hours of talk about what's going on with all your neighbors across the Southeast. I'm John Rawl, and this is what we call the Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent. And we're off and going here with hour number two of our Wednesday program. Hope y'all are doing good. If you want to connect with us here, a couple of easy ways to do that. You can email us, mail, M-A-I-L, 
at y'all.com. We also can be found on a text number and a call-in number if you want to call us or text us. That number, it's the same. Two for the price of one. It's 803-816-1170. And, of course, our website is y'all.com. It's the best four-letter word out there, y-a-l-l.com. What in the world are y'all talking about? Well, y'all.com is the South's homepage. Go there and learn about what's going on across the Southeast today from information about how to improve your home and what else kind of honeydew repairs you got there. We got tricks of the trade up there. You can watch that with John Allen and Jimmy Duke. We also have a lot of the great interviews that you hear right here on the y'all show. We televise those things and we put those up at y'all.com. So check it out and more coming on the South homepage, y'all.com here in the second hour of today's y'all show. We've got to look at some entertainment news, some Matthew McConaughey news that we'll be passing along to you. Plus, we have an accent on the southern business of the South right now. Also, we'll have a southern political report coming your way this hour, and we'll be looking at some of the New York Times bestsellers. All that here in the second hour of Talk with a Southern Accent. We had a passage, and I'm trying to pull up this breaking story that would just happen news coming out today on the death of this young actor, Daniel Mickelson, as he has died at the age of 23. His sister is model Meredith Mickelson and Daniel Mickelson, who is an Atlanta native has died as Meredith shared on an Instagram message on Wednesday or rather on Tuesday about how she lost her brother on the 4th of July, that he was her best friend and the owner of, of half of her hearts. This guy was a up and coming actor, had a lot of stuff that he was preparing for. Paris Hilton has gone on social media to honor Daniel, saying that he was such a light. Daniel appeared in the 2019 film The Killer Clown Meets the Candy Man. He was also in the series Manny and founder of the brand Kids Back Home, which he hoped would spread the good vibes on a bigger scale. His girlfriend was Maddie Haley, who I think is an actress in her own right. But this young star, this up-and-coming star, actor Daniel Mickelson, has died at the age of 23. And stars coming out to honor this Atlanta-born, Atlanta-raised native here. Sad story. Coming from Tinseltown. We also have other goings on that it's a little bit more positive from a Hollywood standpoint as we have our entertainment report here of today's y'all show. And one of the folks that I'll be discussing here as part of the report is Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey lives in Austin, Texas, UT alum, of course, and is being rumored to be a candidate for governor for the state of Texas in 2021. Say it ain't so, Matthew. Right on, right on, right in. Yeah, but he is seriously considering running for governor. And I guess maybe with politics on his mind is why we saw a video come out from Matthew McConaughey over the last two days. And it was a 4th of July greeting, if you will, of him essentially giving perhaps his constituents of tomorrow a little bit of a hello, how y'all doing type thing. This Independence Day message from the veteran actor 
an Austin resident. He put out a tweet with a video titled, Happy 241st, 245th Birthday America, Let's Rock. And I actually have this video pulled up here, and I've already monitored it. So, Matthew, I don't think you were having too much fun that you kind of let one rip from a profanity standpoint. So, with Twitter's permission and with my computer browser's permission, I'm going to let you hear what the actor, the cultural icon, if you will. I mean, a really cool guy. He's been in a lot of great movies. And right now, I think I just saw some polling coming out of Texas. And he's in a neck-and-neck race, at least in terms of polling, with Greg Abbott, the current governor of Texas, if Matthew McConaughey decides that he wants to run for governor. At least he's got something kind of like Donald Trump had back in 2016. He's got probably 100% name recognition, and he probably definitely has it within the borders of the state of Texas if he were to try to run in his native state for governor. So here we go. Let's see if we can't get this going from Matthew McConaughey, his 245th birthday America Let's Rock greeting on social media. Okay, why are you not playing, Matthew? Matthew, you need to play with others. Let's, Let's see if we can get this going. Hello, paging Matthew McConaughey. Happy birthday, America. Yes, indeed, as we celebrate our independence today, as we celebrate our birth as a nation, a day that kick-started a, a, a revolution to gain our sovereignty, let's admit that this last year's trip around the sun was also another head scratch. We are babies. You know, as a country, we were basically going through puberty in comparison to um, other countries' timelines. Um, And we're going to go through growing pains. We are going through growing pains. This is not an excuse to say this. It's just a reality. And this is good because we got to keep learning. we got to keep maturing. we got to keep striving. we got to keep climbing. we got to keep building. And we got to make sure we maintain hope along the way as we continue to evolve. Why? Because it's who we are. Why? Because the alternative I believe that America and you and I, I believe we're an aspiration, all right? We're constantly in motion. We're on the way, trying to get wiser, trying to get braver, trying to dream more, trying to do more, trying to, 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 to be more fair, take the right kind of responsibilities to gain the right kind of freedoms. And we got to keep realizing that we're a place where our individual pursuits and desires uh, need to be appreciative and supportive of our collective responsibilities as Americans, hence the United States of America. Sure, we're each unique, we're each independent, we each have innate abilities that others don't have as people and as states, but at the same time, we are all in this together. And if you don't purchase that, move on, go somewhere else. (laughs) Okay, we'll do just that. Matthew McConaughey, did you like that? The philosopher there? and potential next governor of the state of Texas with his happy 245th birthday America Let's Rock message. You can find that in its entirety if you go to his Twitter handle, which I don't think too many people out there at one point when Twitter was getting up and going tried to claim the Twitter handle at McConaughey. And that's Matthew McConaughey's Twitter handle. Not Matthew, but just at McConaughey. M-C-C-O-N-A-U-G-H-E-Y. If you would just put a T in there, it would be McNaughty, hey, naughty, naughty boy. 
but he was pretty good there. I was actually impressed. It didn't look like he was having maybe the uh, most wild of parties for his 4th of July party by putting that message out. Matthew McConaughey. He's a big star. Now, we've got some other big star news that we're going to share with you. Mrs. Blake Shelton. That is what you can now call Gwen Stefani. As Gwen and Blake Shelton took advantage of the 4th of July weekend to get hitched in Blake's native Oklahoma. Carson Daly actually officiated this wedding. And they tied the knot by singing a version of the lyric of a song called Running. That was a song made famous by No Doubt. They sang that song, and they got married on Saturday. This was put out on Gwen Stefani's Instagram account, where she shared pictures of the celebration. And this is Blake Shelton's third marriage. It is Gwen Stefani's second marriage. They became engaged back in October, with Blake popping the question while in Oklahoma. And now together, they are married. They first met on the set of The Voice back in 2015. They won a CMT Music Award for their song, Nobody But You. And here they are, a husband and wife. Now, Gwen has three sons, Kingston, Zuma, and Apollo, from her marriage to Gavin Rossdale. And Blake Shelton, I think, he doesn't have any children that I'm aware of. Of course, he and Miranda Lambert were married, and they split up in 2015 but together they are now a couple Blake Shelton marrying for the third time and Gwen Stefani the mother of three with her television partner and now partner in life Blake Shelton and kudos to them for getting married somewhere around Blake's hometown there in southeastern Oklahoma I think he's from oh what is the name of that town I should know it's part of the Chickasaw area of, of Oklahoma. I do know that. I guess Blake's got some Chickasaw blood in him. And I know what he's got. He's got a lot of red in him, too. Red neck, just like me. <laughs> and he's a good Okie. And a great, great, fun guy that now together with Gwen, they're going to be making headlines at least more and more as a married couple. Congratulations. Now, these three are not all married, but they were married together, at least on screen, from a friendship standpoint. And, well, they were friends, own friends. And over the weekend, Courtney Cox, Jennifer Aniston, and Lisa Kudrow all reunited for a 4th of July celebration. They celebrated together. And after all these years and after all the episodes of Friends, these three actresses, getting together and have a girls weekend. I don't know where all I know is that Courtney Cox put out some pictures on social media with happy fourth XOXO was the declaration that the Birmingham native put. She's the only southerner of these three, but together the three friends from friends together. In fact, some of their friend friendly friends of the entertainment world weighing in on Instagram and more about these three friends together with their pictures over the 4th of July. One of my favorites, David Spade, after seeing this, he put out cropped again, I guess, insinuating that he was there with these three, but somehow they cropped him out of the picture. (laughs) And I don't think he was there, period. Also, Michelle Pfeiffer, 
Jesus simply replied back with happy fourth. Yeah, recently getting together again. Courtney Cox is a very, very successful actress again out of the Birmingham area originally. And here she and her two buddies together for a 4th of July friends get together. Really a girls weekend together. A Georgia girl that's an actress was together with her hubby over the 4th of July. In fact, she took the opportunity to put out a rare picture of her hubby, Danny Motor. And Danny Motor's wife is Georgia Peach, Julia Roberts. And they were celebrating their wedding anniversary over the weekend, 19 years of marriage for Mr. and Mrs. Danny Motor. Congratulations. The couple tied the knot in New Mexico back in 2002 after meeting on the set of her 2001 film, The Mexican. Motor was a cameraman on that movie. And together they are the parents of 16-year-old twins, Hazel and Phineas. They also have a 14-year-old son, Henry. And on the 4th of July, they put out a picture together. And the 53-year-old actress captioned her Instagram picture of she and hubby. 19 years just getting started. Congratulations to, I think she is from Marietta. Marietta native Julia Roberts and her husband talk about a pretty good deal for the cameraman danny motor you go to work on a film back in 2001 and you fall in love with the main actress and you're just the camera guy isn't love a crazy thing the pretty woman 19 years of marriage congratulations to julia roberts and lastly in our entertainment news Big news if you're a fan of the king of rock and roll. There's going to be a new Elvis Presley streaming channel. And it's coming soon. The streaming company Synodyme is partnering with Elvis Presley Enterprises for the launch of the Elvis Presley channel. This channel will be an ad-supported and linear streaming service comprised of Elvis Presley archival content and specials as well as musical content from some of the most influential rock and roll artists that inspired the music industry. And again, Synodyme is the company partnering with EPE, Elvis Presley Enterprises, for this. And how about that? It's ad-supported, so it looks like you may not even have to pay a subscription, which is a little bit unusual. The new channel plans to feature continual Elvis programming with exclusive specials and documentaries, of the singer, actor, and more who passed away back in 1997. Including in the mix is his famed 1968 comeback special, as well as Elvis Aloha from Hawaii via satellite and Elvis by the Presleys. And you're going to have others featured in this, footage from the archives of people like Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison, and more. The new channel set to launch early 2022, and will be available in the U.S. and Canada. And again, this is a streaming channel called the Elvis Presley Channel, likely a video counterpart to Elvis Presley Radio, I believe, or the Elvis Channel that's on Sirius XM. But now you can see the king of rock and roll for all you Elvis fans out there, and I think a lot of you would be pretty excited whenever this thing gets going in just a couple of months in early 2022 and that is what's going on in the entertainment world on this wednesday when we come back on talk with a southern accent 
Hang on because we're going to continue the fun. We will have a accent on the Southern business news of today. So we'll share that with you. Plus, before the hour's up, we'll look at some Southern politics. What's making headlines on that front? All this ahead on Talk with a Southern Accent. sweet lips a little closer to the phone let's pretend that we're together all alone i'll tell the man to turn the jukebox way down low and you can tell your friend there with you Good Texans boy, Jim Reeves here on the Y'all Show as we continue on with our second hour. I want to remind you, our website is y'all.com. Y'all is the South's homepage. And let's take a few minutes to bring you up to speed on some of the business news of the region. The S&P 500 has seen its first decline after seven straight gains and oil prices continue to fall. Stocks closing Mostly lower on Tuesday with the S&P posting its first decline after, again, seven consecutive gains. The benchmark index slipped to 0.2%, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell on Tuesday to 0.6%. Now, bond prices rose, sending the yield on the 10-year Treasury to its lowest level since February. Oil prices pulled back after jumping overnight when talks among members of the OPEC cartel and allied oil-producing countries broke off amid a standoff with the UAE over production levels. But stocks closing mostly lower on Tuesday, again with that S&P 500 posting its first decline after seven consecutive gains. Now, U.S. rules to protect animal farmers expected soon. The Biden administration plans to issue a new rule to protect the rights of farmers who raise cows, chickens, and hogs against the country's largest meat processors as part of a plan to encourage more competition in agriculture. So some business news from an agricultural perspective coming out of the Biden administration. And this new rule, again, issued, and it's to protect the rights of farmers who raise cows, chickens, and hogs against these large meat processors again, to encourage competition. Why are they doing this, you wonder? I wonder, know why. The new rule will make it easier for farmers to sue companies they contract with over unfair, discriminatory, or deceptive practices, and it's one of several steps that the White House plans to announce over the next couple of days. The USDA is also expected to tighten the definition of what it means for meat to be labeled a, quote, product of USA, and that will exclude when animals are raised in other countries and simply processed in the United States. Farmer advocacy groups have pressed for a change for years, but Congress and the meat processing industry have resisted. A USDA official, a, familiar, a person familiar with the White House's plan, said an executive order is expected to be announced this week that will clear the way for all of these new rules. When asked Tuesday at the White House about this, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki 
said that the rules are designed to increase competition in agricultural industries to boost farmers and ranchers' earnings, fight back against abuses of power by giant agribusiness corporations, and to give farmers the right to repair their own equipment how they like. I have to wonder how much Biden and Saki really, really connect to and know a lot about farmers, but that's what's coming out of the nation's capital this week. I can tell you a little bit more about what's going out in terms of the entertainment industry and what's coming out in 2022 is all universal films will be going to the Peacock streaming service as this streaming service from NBC ramping up its offerings with a new deal with Universal Filmed Entertainment Group, UFEG. And again, starting in 2022, all Universal Films, and that includes the new Jurassic World, Minions movies, and more, will be available on Peacock. Peacock, another one of those options for you to have to spend money on with a subscription. And then... This multi-year deal guarantees that in an 18-month window, Universal Films will be available on Peacock for the first and last four months. The films can be licensed to other services in the middle 10 months. Hmm. Now, upcoming movies from Universal. So this includes brand new movies if you are a Peacock subscriber. You can get, in 2022, movies coming out called Jurassic World Dominion, Minions, The Rise of Gru, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and a new original film from Jordan Peele, Get Outs. That's coming, again, if you're a Peacock subscriber in the year 2022. Could be a very beneficial move if you are a subscriber to that streaming service. How about Amazon? Amazon's getting ready for a regime regime change as Texas native Jeff Bezos is officially stepping down as CEO of the company here in the coming days. And it's a big change for this guy who started out of his Seattle garage back in 1995 with this, at one time, books-only website. And now, after 26 years, Jeff Bezos stepping down as Amazon's CEO. And he's been in the news for some of the stuff off the record, off the uh business side of things for him more on the personal side with a divorce a rather expensive divorce for him he is amazon's biggest shareholder with about 180 billion dollars i guess of stock and he will still have a big say so in amazon but he's stepping away from his ceo role and i don't know the exact time or day when that's supposed to happen but it's happening any second now It may have already happened for all we know. But the Texas native, the 57-year-old, stepping aside, and I think I know maybe why he's making this choice now. Because he's literally about to go into orbit. On July 20th, Jeff Bezos will go into space with Blue Origin when it makes its first flight with a crew. And Jeff's going to take along his younger brother, Mark, an investor and volunteer firefighter along, I guess, in case there's a fire that breaks out on Blue Origin. The Bezos brothers will be able to put it out thanks to Mark's volunteer firefighter firefighter training. And uh, it's good to see brothers getting along. How would you like to go with your sibling into outer space together? Well, that's what's going to happen. July 20th, we're just, what, 
less than two weeks away from that day, the space exploration company that Bezos is funding, Blue Origin, getting ready, as well as, of course, he's put money into the Washington Post and all kinds of other efforts he's involved in. But I guess he'll have time if he's stepping aside as CEO of Amazon to go into outer space more often. And maybe somewhere along the way, you'll find a solution to hair loss because he hasn't necessarily got the best head of hair, even though he's worth almost $200 billion. I bet he'll trade at least a billion of that to, you know, have a nice ponytail at some point. That's just a guess. We love our people who were follically challenged, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, Jeff Bezos, he's stepping down as CEO in just a few moments. And that's a quick look at some of the entertainment headlines going on and, and also business headlines. Kind of Jeff Bezos kind of fits into both categories. But that is a business report here on this Wednesday edition of Talk with a Southern Accent. We'll come right back and we'll continue the fun with a little bit of an update on what's going on from a Southern political perspective. Speaking of the great state of Texas, We have a challenger to Greg Abbott on the Republican side for governor. We'll tell you who that is and more information coming across the political spectrum of the Southeast. That is a part of our Southern Political Report, and that is up next. We are continuing on here on this y'all show. If you want to connect to us, our text line is 803-816-1170, 803-816-1170. We're going to take a few minutes here to bring you up to speed on political news across the region and some sad news coming out of Louisiana. The former governor, Edwin Edwards, has placed himself on hospice care. The former governor of the Louisiana, according to the Baton Rouge Advocate, deciding to place himself in hospice care Monday night at his home in Gonzales, Louisiana. On Sunday, he was brought to St. Elizabeth Hospital in Gonzales after experiencing pain in his right lung. And now the former governor deciding to go into hospice care. He put out a statement saying, while people assume that hospice means I'm dying, I assure everybody it's simply a matter of good and convenient care that is less trouble for everybody. I've made no bones that I have considered myself on borrowed time for 20 years, and we each know that all this fun has to end at some point. Edwin Edwards is 93 years old, and the former governor of Louisiana looks like going into hospice care, and he said he's on borrowed time. If we all could be so honest about ourselves, we, we all are on borrowed time, and 
and so he is okay with his decision. Edward Edwards, oddly enough, he's the governor currently of uh, he's the former governor, but we have Ed Edwards currently in office in Louisiana, and that's John Bell Edwards. Edwin Edwards was Louisiana's fiftieth governor, serving back in the nineteen nineties. From 1992 until 1996, he was the governor of the Pelican State. He's also been a congressman. He was a congressman back in the late 1960s, representing Louisiana's 7th District. Born in Marksville, Louisiana. Again, he's 93 years old. Edwin Edwards, former U.S. Navy personnel member and actually was is considered a World War II veteran, which is a little bit unusual since he was born in 1927. I guess he would have been 18 in 1945. So, yeah, he easily could have been drafted and gone into service and served in World War II in the U.S. Navy. But he was a Democrat, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, yeah, a Democratic Party member serving back in the 1990s. Edwin Edwards in the news as he, the 50th governor of Louisiana, deciding to go into hospice. Now some gubernatorial news out of uh, across the other side of the Sabine River. This comes to us from the Lone Star State. Alan West has said he's going to run for governor of Texas. Now, Alan West is a former Florida congressman who moved to Texas. He's a former U.S. military officer. I think he's a retired colonel, if I'm not mistaken, in the U.S. Army. And he's been on Fox News and other conservative outlets for a number of years he actually is the current republican state chair of texas but he's leaving that post because he's going to challenge governor greg abbott on the republican side of governor in 2021 or rather 2022 whenever texans decide on a new governor but he has just announced his resignation of the texas republican party chair so that he can run. He announced this on the 4th of July that he's going to be running for governor in Texas, and that puts him right on a collision course with Greg Abbott, who is pretty popular, at least among Republicans in the state of Texas. A little surprising for this retired Army officer, who, again, is kind of a carpetbagger going into Texas from Florida just a few years ago. He was there back in the two. 2010 party uh 2010 timeline when he was a big part of that national tea party movement and got elected into congress but now he wants to be the head of the lone star state alan west he's got to beat greg abbott that's going to be a pretty pretty hard ask to beat the vanderbilt law school alumnus now over the weekend you might have seen it on saturday night president donald trump had a big rally in Sarasota, Florida at the fairgrounds there. About 30,000 people in attendance. It definitely was hot for most of the day. And then a torrential but downpour came, and that was part of the remnants of the tropical storm at that time, making its way through Cuba and into the Florida Gulf Coast area. And then the skies opened up, and it was a beautiful sunset there in Sarasota on Saturday night when Donald Trump had this big rally, and then a firework show followed the rally there at Sarasota. But the president, again, going on the offensive, and he went against the Democrats. He went against the indictments against 
the Trump organization that just came out where his longtime accountant or bookkeeper there, Weisselberg, was indicted last week and put in handcuffs. And Trump went out in front of the big crowd there in Sarasota and told it only the way Donald Trump could tell it. Now, one thing I will say that I haven't seen get picked up by too much media here this week following the rally. I watched the whole 90-minute rally in its entirety on Saturday evening. Some good Saturday night programming for yours truly on a 4th of July weekend. I wanted to get the fireworks started early, so I started watching Donald Trump there in Sarasota. But one of the great Trump lines from this big rally Saturday was the fact that he was talking about Trump the prophet. Trump the prophet, you probably got tired of hearing him talk about things like how the wall was going to stop immigration and how he was totally, he said he was always innocent over the Russian collusion hoax deal. And he talked about Ukraine and he talked about impeachment. Essentially, he was saying all of these things, the other side, and including, I think the term is their mm, partner, the media, they have accused him for five years now, all of these things. And all of these things that they've accused Trump on have either been proven false or they just don't have anything to, to get him. You can't get him or nobody's been able to, quote, get him at this point. And that also includes the attacks on his family and more, all the all the nasty stuff that we're aware of with Donald Trump. And Trump took a minute to kind of have a victory lap there in front of the big crowd and say, all these things they've accused me of, that's all either been proven false. And then he took that time, that moment, to essentially say, so... One other thing that I keep telling people that ultimately will be proven, or at least he insinuates that, is the election. And that's another thing he stressed over and over that it was rigged. And so what he's trying to say is that all these other things that people have accused him of either distorting or lying about have been proven ultimately to be his way. And that includes the China virus where he said before it was cool that it came out of the Wuhan lab. And now that's come out to be essentially, I think, pretty factual there. And he had his strong statement about hydrochloroquine. And some experts say that that's okay to take now looking back. So he's insinuating that, yes, even with time, that he'll be able to prove the election was rigged. Those were his words. And that was something he brought out during the Sarasota rally on Saturday night. Now, back in Washington, D.C., the U.S. House has approved a January 6th riot probe as Democrats are trying to look more and more into what happened during the assault on the Capitol back on January 6th. And they now have a Republican helping out as Liz Cheney of Wyoming is, to my knowledge, the only Republican as of now that's part of this panel that will be looking into this attack on the Capitol. The worst attack on the Capitol since the War of 1812. Now, when that happened, they burnt the place down. The British, when they walked through Washington, D.C., when the Capitol was being built. But now, the latest 
attack on the Capitol is having a House investigation. And Liz Cheney is actually going to be joined by her fellow Trump hater, Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, as they'll be two of the members of this 13-member panel that will be looking further into the January 6th assault. And there's a lot, frankly, that needs to be investigated. In fact, I think I've seen Marjorie Green come out in support of this panel. In fact, she's volunteered to be on it. She doesn't have a job. She's a congressman from Georgia, but she is not on a committee. So this would be a good committee for her to be on. And she was scared. I remember when it came out on January 6th, she felt scared for her life. And there were other conservative members of Congress who were scared. They didn't know what was going on. So I'm sure all members of Congress deep down want to find out what happened here on January 6th and to avoid it happening again. There's some weird stuff that happened that day. And there was some definitely political motivated kind of slants on what happened. So much so that they used the death of the Capitol Hill police officer in the impeachment, his death against Trump and their impeachment. And it comes out ultimately this guy died not because of that January 6th attack. Now it could have been something internally that got elevated stress levels, etc., that caused his death, but he did not get killed as a result of the January 6th assault. There was only one person murdered and we know who that was. And maybe that was a strong word to use. One person killed, I should say. And, and some might say murdered. If you go look at the video, did she really have to be killed? That was the air force veteran who was shot there by a Capitol Hill police officer. It appears to be a Capitol. I'm only bringing this up because we still don't really know who it is. In fact, Speaking of the pre- former president, he's putting out there in the rally. He, he put it out on social media. Who killed that woman? I forgot her name now, but uh, that, that's irrelevant. The Trump is keeping that going of who killed this woman. Ashley Babbitt just came to me is who was killed January 6th. So the House is hell bent on looking into this January 6th thing and having a probe now that the Senate has essentially at this point declined to further investigate the house will take up this case. Speaking of Congress, how about Matt Gates, a survivor, the Florida Congressman from Fort Walton beach. He is doing something rather unique. The guy who's come under his own attack for alleged sexual relations, perhaps with youngsters, minors, perhaps alleged, I I stress that he has survived. He has not resigned. He said he was not going to quit. He's still going. In fact, he was cheered loudly in Sarasota. He was there over the weekend and I heard him bring this up in an interview he did with one of the outlets covering the rally in Sarasota Saturday. (laughs) Matt Gates is going to step forward, not for Donald Trump, but for Britney Spears as the Florida congressman has invited Britney Spears to address Congress amid Britney Spears' ongoing nasty conservatorship battle. And the Florida congressman is welcoming in the Kentwood, Louisiana native. I don't know if she's going to take up the offer, but there is this hashtag free Britney movement going on. And Matt Gates is willing to have the pop star come to Washington, D.C. and share her story on the conservatorship 
battle that she's undergoing. And he's supporting Britney Spears. And he is supporting her with hashtags like Free Britney. He just put that out not long ago. And he's issued a letter inviting her to speak before Congress over this thing, saying in a letter, Brittany, you have been mistreated by America's legal system. We want to help. The United States Congress should hear your story and be inspired to bipartisan action. What happened to you should never happen to any other American. Congress can make things better, and you can inform our policy decisions. If you will speak to Congress, we are ready to listen. And Matt Gates got a couple of people, fellow Republicans, to co-sign this letter that went to Britney Spears, including Marjorie Green of Georgia, Andy Biggs of Arizona, and freshman congressman, former NFL player Burgess Owens of Utah, signing up alongside the Florida congressman in this love letter to Britney Spears. No, it wasn't a love letter. It was an invitation to talk about this conservatorship, which, frankly, I don't know if that's a term and a legal maneuver used in states outside of California or not. But in California, it's definitely the law of the land there, and it's caused a lot of problems. And therefore, it is in the news right now with Britney Spears and her big battle with her daddy. Sports betting in Virginia has surpassed a billion dollars, according to a report, as Virginians, with all these bets helping bring in money into the Old Dominion state, a billion dollars combined on sports bets just in 2021 thus far. That, according to a report put out by, by Virginia State Lottery, the report outlining that sports betting activities from May showed that state operators in Virginia raked in more than $23 million from bettors during one month alone. In the same time frame, Virginians bet $226 million and they won $203 million. So that's $23 million advantage Old Dominion State. <laughs> state law in Virginia places a 15% tax on sports bet based on each operator's adjusted gross revenue. The majority of the tax goes toward Virginia's state general fund with a small percentage going to the Virginia Department of Behavioral Health's Problem Gambling Treatment and Support Fund. Hmm. But sports betting continues to be a big, big win for certain states. Virginia is one of them. I know also in the South, Tennessee is bringing in the dough thanks to sports betting. And these other states can't be too far behind with a decision to make sports betting legal in their respective states. The Y'all Show continues. When we come back, we're going to switch over from talking about politics. We're going to clean things up and talk about best-selling books. It's part of our Southern Book Report. And y'all, we're going to be filing that book report after this break. We're going to wrap up hour two with a quick look at your New York Times bestsellers list. At number one on the combined print and ebook fiction category this week is Laura Dave's The Last Thing He Told Me. Bill Clinton and James Patterson continue to sell a lot of books. They're The President's Daughter 
is number two on the ebook fiction print category. Malibu Rising from Taylor Jenkins Reid. It is number three. Delia Owens is back in top five with her book, Where the Crawdads Sing. Emily Henry's People We Meet on Vacation is number five on the latest New York Times combined print and ebook fiction category list. And the nonfiction category for the New York Times bestsellers, Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score has jumped back to number one. Number two is Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard's Killing the Mob. Number three is Malcolm Gladwell's The Bomber Mafia. Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. Green Lights is number four this week and number five on the combined print and ebook nonfiction category for the New York Times, Glennon Doyle's Untamed. That wraps up hour two. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we've got a Southern sports update and a whole lot more information, including all things UAB. It's up next. Well, welcome back. We're the Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent. I'm John Rawl, and here for the final hour of this Wednesday edition, we have got one more 60-minute dose of great Southern information lined up and coming right at you. It's going to hit you smack dab in the face, and we're excited. I think you'll be excited, too, to get all this good information. The Y'all Show is powered by the y'all.com network. Go to y'all.com right now. Y'all is the South's homepage, and if you go there, you'll learn so much and enjoy so much about your fellow Southerners. And maybe you're one of the great Southerners featured at y'all.com. It's so much fun, and it's absolutely free. It's y'all.com. Here in this final hour of today's Y'all Show, we've got a Southern sports update. We'll bring you up to speed on the NBA playoffs. It's the NBA Finals going on right this very second, and I'll Give you the report of game one. Game three, or rather game two, is going to be taking place on Thursday. So they enjoy a little breather here on this Wednesday. And we'll also let you know some news coming out from the NCAA world about NIL. Name, image, likeness. You won't believe some of the madness that's already started. And we're not even a week into this thing. And I'll bring you up to speed on that in our sports headlines of today's y'all show. Also, We will continue our spotlight of UAB Blazer football, and we're going to switch over and talk here this hour more about Blazer traditions and just more information about this outstanding Conference USA football program. And it is our first stop of 44 stops we're making up until Labor Day weekend. Each day here on the Y'all Show, we will be telling you all about one of our great Southern football teams, And we'll be letting you know about the schedule, the team, the players, the coaches. And then we're going to totally, in a different spotlight of that certain day's program we're featuring, give you all the fun stuff about what makes that college football team special. And today, it's the UAB Blazers. UAB has a brand new football stadium they're about to start playing in when the 2021 season gets underway in just two months. UAB football will be up and going and they've got an amazing several hundred million dollar stadium they've got there in downtown Birmingham protective stadium it is 
beautiful brick structure, 47,000 seat stadium going up. It'll be ready when the Blazers have their home opener in October. I'll tell you more about the stadium and here this hour, I'm going to tell you about traditions, some of the fun stuff that Blazer fans do when they get ready for a Blazer game day. UAB football, they tailgate, they go eat at Owls, they have a bonfire during homecoming week. They also volunteer at the Blazer Kitchen. Did you know what that was? Well, I'll tell you more about UAB traditions (laughs) and also some of the most famous UAB alumni. We'll have you covered, Blazer fans. Don't you worry. Get your green and gold out. And if you're not a Blazer fan, guess what? We're going to be for 44 days walking through the South's great college football teams and traditions. So there's an extremely high probability that if you're not a UAB Blazer fan for this first of 44 stops, somewhere between now and Labor Day weekend, we'll be dropping by your favorite college football team and just blowing it up big so just get ready in fact i'll go ahead and give you a heads up of what we're doing on thursday's y'all show we'll be spotlighting the memphis tigers but we're also going to throw in a quick spotlight of sam houston state only because we were supposed to do them this week and we had a little technical hiccup where we couldn't do a show on tuesday so i'm having to squeeze in an extra one this week so we'll have two actually spotlighted on thursday memphis and Sam Houston State. All that plus on Friday, Louisiana Lafayette will be the team we talk about big on the Y'all Show. All that right here as we go on our 44-city tour of the Southeast here, leading you up to toe meets leather on Labor Day weekend. Also this hour, we've got more looks at headlines coming your way and more information about the Southeast all right here on Talk with a Very Southern Accent. Looking at some sports headlines across the Southeast here as we get back into the headlines. NBA playoffs, game one of the NBA finals was held Tuesday and Chris Paul netted 32 points and his Phoenix Suns got the game one victory as Phoenix beat Milwaukee 118 to 105 and now Phoenix has a 1-0 series lead. They will pick up the series on Thursday, game two set for Phoenix at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC. And what a big win. I mean, that was a 13-point victory, not exactly a nail-biter with Chris Paul leading the way. Chris Middleton was the top scorer for Milwaukee in this contest. Played there in downtown Phoenix with the purple and orange of Phoenix getting along rather swimmingly. Phoenix had a pretty good second second half they got an eight point advantage on top of milwaukee to kind of take the lead for good in that third period and then in the fourth quarter they were able to put more points on the board and get the very good win in the game now the greek freak did play in this game he got a bunch of rebounds he got 17 total rebounds giannis and to is his name and uh But it was Chris Paul, 32 points. He was 12 of 19 from the field. Perfect on his free throw attempts. And I'm glad to see the Greek freak was able to make this game and and participate. But it wasn't enough for his Milwaukee Bucks to get on the road and get a victory as they fell in game one. Game two, again, set for Thursday. 
Also, telling you more sports stuff, did you tune in and see that crazy the match? That was the golf event held Tuesday between two NFL players and two great golfers. From the golf side of things, you had Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau, and each one of those golfers paired with a NFL quarterback. In the case of Bryson DeChambeau, he teamed up with Aaron Rodgers, who I think is a Green Bay Packer quarterback. (laughs) We're still waiting to see if he's really not going to play for them this year. And then Lefty had Tom Brady on his team, and these four California natives, all of them, got together in Big Sky, Montana, and TNT televised this thing in a charity event at the Reserve Golf Course at Moonlight Basin. And in Big Sky Country, it was Bryson and Aaron winning the match, 3-2 and two in this match play event. It was the fourth version of the match, a series that began with Tiger Woods and Lefty playing winner-take-all against each other, and it eventually expanded with Tom Brady, then Steph Curry, Charles Barkley, and Peyton Manning participating. That was last year. I know Peyton was part of this. And this year, the golfers played a modified alternate shot format, and it was Aaron Rodgers who got a about a 10-foot putt in to get the victory 3-2. and two over Phil and Tom Brady. And Tom was pretty excited about the opportunity to play in this event. Tom, you're a loser. You might win a Super Bowl, but in golf, you're a big old loser. I'll tell you who's not a loser. That is Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's just signed his rookie contract, a rookie contract that adds up to 36.8 million cool ones coming his way the Calhoun, Georgia native, and number one overall pick, Clemson Tiger, signing his four-year rookie contract earlier this week, and that will allow him to get going with the Jags in their training camp, which begins in three weeks. And Lawrence is still projected to be worth $36.8 million, including that is a $24.1 million signing bonus. So he's got 24 mil put into his being put into his bank account here this week. That'll buy a few hamburgers there. Trevor Lawrence, the I think he's newlywed. If he's not married, he's at least engaged. So the Lawrences should be set for quite some time. And get this, as I said, a bank somewhere is getting a bunch of money deposited into it soon. Trevor's signing bonus will be paid within 15 days and the quarterback is deemed to have passed his physical for signing bonus purposes. So that's fantastic news if you're a Jaguars fan. There is no offset language in the contract, meaning that he would still receive the full amount of guaranteed money remaining in his contract, even if he were to be released and signed with another team. So he's got this money, and he doesn't have to give it back. Now, Trevor Lawrence's former Clemson and now current teammate with the Jaguars, Travis Travis Etienne, a first-round pick at running back for the Jags. He and cornerback Tyson Campbell taken in the second round, as well as another second-rounder, Walker Little. Those guys still remain unsigned. So they got to get their pen on paper pretty soon and get paid like Trevor Lawrence, who went 34-2 and at Clemson University. Helped them win a national championship when he was just a long-haired freshman. And 
He's a stud. He is a stud. And I think you'll see instant success for this NFL franchise that's kind of been lost in the wilderness in northeast Florida for a long time. They actually were better when they first started in 1995 than they've been in recent years. And with Urban Meyer coming there, look for the Jacksonville Jaguars to be a much improved team in 2021. However, sorry, Jags fans, Jacksonville plays in the same division as the really, really improved Tennessee Titans, the much improved Indianapolis Colts, and the still not sure what's happening, Houston Texans. But definitely there's a race, an arms race going on between the Colts and Titans. And some of the experts still can't really say which one of those two teams has the upper hand with who's going to be going into the playoffs as the division champ. Likely both teams will be making the playoffs. And that's all you got to do. Just got to get your playoff ticket punched and take it from there. Some more college football news. The longtime head coach of the UCLA Bruins has died this week at the age of 77, Terry Donahue, the winningest coach in Pac-10 history, dying at the age of 77, UCLA Bruin coach Terry Donahue passing away this week. Now, let me tell you all about some of the crazy headlines we know about name, image, and likeness. That is the craziest thing that the NCAA has approved and put forward and a whole string of crazy things the NCAA is doing these days and have done for the last couple of years. It was just officiated or put into place starting July 1st, NIL, into the NCAA. And now, more details coming out and more deals being made for NIL and it's not just college football I got a couple of different stories here to pass along that just seem unbelievable that this could even be possible but it's possible including this story this is college basketball this particular story and it's not even a Power 5 program. Heck, it's not even a Division One program for or FBS for football. This is a SWAC school. This is not a SWAC. This is a OVC school that's an HBCU school. It's the Tennessee State Tigers, Richards team. And Master P, the singer, rapper, whatever he is, his son, Hersey Miller, has now signed a $2 million name image likeness contract of and that's before he starts playing for the TSU Tigers in Nashville Oprah Winfrey's alma mater and now Oprah's got competition in the millionaire category and it's coming from a kid Henry Miller rapper masterpiece son son and he has signed a 2 billion dollar deal all because of this new rule that allows college players to create their own deals and get paid. And Hersey Miller and his daddy, Master P, went on TMZ Sports and talked about this $2 million deal. Miller is a point guard who played his high school basketball in Minneapolis 
and he's going to be a freshman at Tennessee State in Nashville this year. He hasn't even started playing college basketball, and he's got a $2 million deal. He wasn't even given a star rating when he was recruited to TSU, but because of his famous father backing him, he could be a big asset in this $2 million deal that he signed for NIL reasons. When he was asked what he plans to do with the $2 million he's going to earn from his agreement, the freshman basketball player said, I learned from my dad. I'm going to start off by giving back to the community and everyone around me. I have a camp on July 21st. I'm giving back to the kids, giving school supplies. Miller also plans to have a bit of fun with his money, telling TMZ Sports that he's going to buy a Tesla with his $2 million deal, which I don't know if he's just signed like a management deal for $2 million or what if it's specific to a brand or product. But, yeah, signing, okay, this is with a technology company he signed with. Two million big ones. A guy that most of you have never heard of, Hersey Miller of the Tennessee State Tigers. All right, so that's a college basketball basketball player getting $2 million at Tennessee State. How about this crazy story coming from the heart of Dixie? There's a quarterback for the Auburn Tigers named Bo Nix. He's going to be entering his third year behind center for the Plainsman in 2021. He's a Birmingham area native, was the son of a former Auburn quarterback, I think. His dad was a quarterback. His dad also a successful high school coach in the Birmingham area. Well, Bo Nix has taken advantage of the NIL rules, and he has signed a deal with Milo's Sweet Tea. And that doesn't go down easy if you're a fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And Milo's Famous Sweet Tea, available in grocery stores all over the South nowadays, made an announcement. And when they did this last week, that they're going to have Auburn's quarterback as part of a name-image-likeness deal, Alabama fans decided to take Milo's great southern sweet tea and literally pour it down the drain. You don't have a rival quarterback be your spokesperson, spokesperson in football crazy or maybe just crazy period, Alabama. And Bo Nix, to his credit, he he picked a good brand to be associated with as Milo's has come a long way from their little barbecue-flavored hamburgers they've got there in the Magic City. And now they, I think, are making a lot more money off of tea than they are their pretty tasty hamburgers and french fries, too. I, I, I like Milo's. I'm a fan. But their tea is beloved. But they got him a new spokesperson. It's Bo Nix. And Bama fans are rather um, unsweet about it. Auburn, they're very sweet on this new deal. I don't know the details. I don't know how much Bo Nix got paid to be the spokesperson for Milo's Sweet Tea. But this is the madness that we're going to start seeing with this NIL. I, I, I just, where does this end? I think... If a basketball player, in this case, Hersey Miller of Tennessee State, is getting $2 million and he hasn't even played yet, there's the potential 
real potential that you can make more money in college than you can even being a professional athlete. Let's face it. Here's this kid making $2 million and he's never even played a college basketball game yet. And the spots to make it in the NBA are extremely small that even if you do get onto an NBA team, unless you become a superstar, it'll be a while before you maybe can make $2 million even as an NBA player. You're likely to go into the development league and barely make any money. So this changes the rules. This makes college sports potentially, in, in a lot of cases, more valuable than even a professional athlete because you're going to get paid in, in college. And I know you're going to get paid if you're a Miami Hurricane football player. How do I know that? Did you see, speaking of NIL craziness, a booster of the Miami Hurricanes has now put out a deal where he is going to give money to every single scholarship player plus a few more. Dan Lambert plans a $500 a month endorsement deal for every Miami Hurricane football player. That's $540,000 a year that he's offering Hurricane scholarship players. And that breaks down to $500 a month, which is $6,000 a year as a gift to every player. You don't even have to necessarily play. You just got to be a scholarship player and you get a, a gift from Dan Lambert, hurricane devotee. Plus these players are getting money now as part of the NCAA rules from a few years ago. I don't know the exact amount, but here they're making 6,000 from just Dan. I bet they're making a couple more thousand from the NCAA. That's roughly, I'm going to just throw it out there about $10,000 cold car, cold, hard cash. Just for being on a football team. You don't even have to be out there playing. That's ridiculous. There's a place for making money. It's called professional sports. College is not about getting rich. But the bus has left the station. And people like me are just dinosaurs, evidently. And that's the way it goes in today's college sports. Now, as down as I am and as unfair as this seems to be at least in dan lambert's case he's given money to every player that's that's actually rather noble of dan lambert the miami hurricane booster but what about the walk-ons but what about the kids who go out there and don't get a single thing why leave them out give them some money what about the trainers what about the people in the marching band they're all given their time to help out miami's football program or Insert your favorite team in an effort to do the right thing. We're Spike Lee when you need him. Speaking of doing the right thing, now that NIL is the law of the land, we have at least one case of a player who has certainly got the credentials to make a fair amount of money with this new rule. But this player has decided to do something extraordinary. And that's why, as bad as some of this stuff seems to be, and as dirty as a lot of this stuff appears to be for college athletes, how about Anaya Smith of the Texas A&M Aggies? 
what some people consider the conference's most electric player. He is a running back. He's a wide receiver. He measures at 5'10", 193 pounds. He's a great football player. He got on the watch list of a lot of players for this forthcoming season. And some consider him the most underrated SEC prospect. Anaya Smith, Texas A&M. And Mr. Smith, this week, has put out a statement in terms of the NIL rules saying, every one of my teammates will receive a percentage of whatever profits I receive from any NIL deals. Teamwork makes the dream work. That from Anaya Smith on Instagram and Twitter at A-I-N-A-S underscore Smith. Pretty amazing coming from this guy. And if every one of these college athletes that could be making money off of NIL would do what Anaya Smith is proposing, giving a percentage of whatever profits he makes from NIL deals, now that would go a long way to making it a lot more fair across the board. But there's never going to be complete fairness. I realize that. But that's where college athletes and college sports now have found themselves firmly in the players making money corner. And we'll just have to, old people like me are going to have to get used to it. You know what you're going to have to get used to? And that is more of the Y'all Show coming your way. When we return on Talk with a Southern Accent, we're going to keep the college sports spotlight going. I'm going to talk about the traditions of the University of Alabama in Birmingham. The Blazers have a brand new stadium. I'll tell you about all the excitement of Blazer football when the Y'all Show continues. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And we're going to fire you up big time. We're on this 44 city tour And today is day one of our tour. And we're going to start off today's tour and our southern tour in the magic city of Birmingham. Get ready. It's time to celebrate UAB Blazer football. Go Blazers. We are here on the Y'all Show. We're going to be with you each day up until Labor Day weekend. And each day we'll be telling you all about one of our great Southern College football teams. This is getting ready to get ready for the 21 football season. And in our first hour, we're going to tell you about the team, the schedule, maybe a little bit about the coach and players. 
UAB is our first school that we're spotlighting because there's so much excitement about Blazers football. They have a brand new stadium. They'll unveil that in October. Protective Stadium. It is a 47,000 seat stadium. It costs just shy of $200 million to get this thing built. It is a beautiful, beautiful structure, brick structure, right in downtown Birmingham. And again, they're not going cheap on this thing. I thought when UAB announced they were going to have a college football stadium in downtown Birmingham, it was going to be more of the twenty-five to 30,000 seat stadium. No, nah, this thing is nearly 50,000 seats. It's well-built. It's going to be so much fun. Protective Stadium not only will host UAB Blazer football, it's going to be the home of the Magic City Classic, the annual battle of Alabama A&M and Alabama State. It's also going to be the new home of the Birmingham Bowl, the college football bowl game there in the Magic City. It also will be hosting the opening and closing ceremonies for next year's World Games. So Protective Stadium is the new Blazer home that Coach Bill Clark and his UAB football team will call home when they get their 2021 season started. UAB starts in just 56 days. They'll start their season in the state capital of Montgomery as the Crampton Bowl is going to host UAB and Jacksonville State on Wednesday, September 1st, and the first game of the season for UAB. Then they get into the fire of the SEC world as they go over to Athens and have a game against Georgia on September 11th. The UAB Blazers open up Protective Stadium on October 2nd when Hugh Freeze and the Liberty Flames come down to Jefferson County, and that's going to be a game played at 6 Birmingham time on October 2nd. UAB plays in Conference USA. Conference USA is where UAB last year, 2020, the crazy season that it was, UAB won its second COSA title and got a bowl bid. They got an invitation to play in the Gasparilla Bowl against the South Carolina Gamecocks. Unfortunately, due to a coronavirus outbreak in Columbia, the bowl game ended up being canceled, and UAB did not have the option to go play in a bowl game, but they deserved the right to. They had a winning season. They won their conference for the second time under Bill Clark. This is a program just like a blazer coming out of the flames has come out of the flames of being dead just a few years ago. UAB was shut down after the 2013 season. 2014 season, rather. 2014, that's right. It was 2014, Bill Clark had his first year coaching this team, and then the leadership of the University of Alabama killed the program. And UAB did not field a football team in 2015 or 2016 But they decided to not only bring the program back, they decided to build a new stadium. And so 2017, the Blazers hit the field again for a second act, and they have hit the field in a big way. They have won and had winning seasons every year since their rebirth. Eight and five in 2017, 11 and three conference champions in 2018. Went to the Boca Raton Bowl and won that one, by the way. They played in 2019 to a 9-5 record and lost in the New Orleans Bowl. And then in 2020, they won Conference USA but did not get a play in a bowl, as we told you, against the Gamecocks. A program with a lot of stuff that's making a lot of people happy at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Now, the school itself is only 52 years old. It started in 1969 
as a public research university arm of the University of Alabama. Kind of a crazy system they got there in the state of Alabama. And that crazy system is why their football team got shut down five years ago. The power structure in Tuscaloosa finally said enough's enough. We don't want to have UAB football competing with Alabama. And so that's what happened. It got shut down. But there was hell to be paid. (laughs) And UAB fans and their connections helped resurrect this program in the south side neighborhood of downtown Birmingham and brought it back to life. And what a job they've done. Again, winning conference championships, playing in this very impressive stadium that I would say, other than the size, being about half the size, it's just as nice, if not nicer, than Bryant-Denny Stadium. Just as nice as Jordan-Hare Stadium in the state of Alabama. They've done it the right way at UAB, and I congratulate them. Now, what is a UAB game day like? UAB has traditions, even though they've only been playing football for 30 years now, 25 roughly total years since they did get shut down. But if you want to go to see the UAB Blazers when they get going at Protective Stadium this year, there's a lot of fun that can be had. You get to tailgate, and they got a great new area there in downtown Birmingham for you to tailgate on game days. But some of the things to do if you're a UAB Blazer fan Go to the bonfire during homecoming week. Go to the homecoming parade. Of course, you can volunteer and help out the local Birmingham area, volunteering at the Blazer Kitchen. You can also have a study session at Club Stern. Don't know exactly what that is because I didn't do a lot of studying in my college days. So, But if you're a UAB student that wants to study, go to Club Stern. You can ride on the Blazer Express. That's the little bus system they've got there on the campus and i guess that blazer express will take people from the campus to uab football games while you're there on a game day of course if you're in that area you can look right up from the uab campus on a clear day perhaps you can see the vulcan statue and that's on the south side of downtown birmingham you got to go visit vulcan if you're going to be a uab blazer so do that for sure also while looking at attractions in the Birmingham area, a real tradition for UAB, at some point you need to go visit the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute and learn, while you're there, the UAB fight song, which I just played into this segment. I'll go ahead and play it again. The UAB fight song. At UAB in Birmingham, all hell our players bold. They are the mighty blazers who wear the green and gold. Tonight, let's fire their golden blaze, the flame of victory, Go Blazers, go Blazers, win for UAB. All right. One of the other things you just got to do if you're a UAB student is you got to go to Owl's. That's a requirement. And I will tell you for a minute about Owl's Deli and Grill. It started in 1999, and it offers Mediterranean food to the UAB area. And it is from all reports, and I have not been to Al's Deli and Grill, but it looks scrumptious. Here are some of the great choices at Al's Deli near the UAB campus. They have barbecued grilled chicken baker. 
That's served with butter, sour cream, butter, and cheddar cheese. Also, barbecue sauce. They have a barbecue gyro, a gyro for some of you. <laughs> they have a baked potato that's huge that's available there. And that stuffed baked potato is about $10 in price. So you know it's well worth the deal. They have also ribeye steak on the menu at Owl's in Birmingham. Chicken kebabs. They've got a vegetable kebab and a falafel plate and more omelets if you get there early. They've got various omelets, including a seafood omelet that's got shrimp, fish, scallops, onion, and feta cheese at Owl's. Deli and Grill in Birmingham, Alabama. A delicious option for UAB Blazer game days. Or if you're just in the Magic City and you're looking for a good option, check it out. Owls is located at 1629 10th Avenue South, right next to the UAB campus in the Five Points area of downtown Birmingham. Now, also in that same area, and I better double check because I know they've had some issues, but somewhere in that area at one time and likely still there is a location of Dreamland Barbecue, the famous place out of Tuscaloosa. They have a downtown Birmingham place right near uab so that's a another we'll, we'll go ahead and call that a y'all tradition for uab fans if they want to go check that out on game day but yeah get ready blazer fans you've got a lot to be excited about and uab traditions if you're looking for more you can go to the uab.edu student affairs page and they've got a whole breakdown of 50 things to do at uab that you can go and study and learn more about yourself now, before we leave our UAB talk for today, and we're going to be doing this for 44 different colleges between now and Labor Day, so just get ready. Let me tell you about some of the famous alumni of UAB. They have the former mayor of Birmingham, William Bell, as part of their distinguished alumni list. The 2005 winner of Miss America, who just made news the other day, because she and her lesbian wife, I think, had a baby together. Deidre Downs is a UAB alumnae. Also, other famous alumni of UAB include in the world of business. Mm, I huh, this guy's pretty famous in Alabama. Alexander Shonara. And if you've ever traveled in Alabama, you've seen his face up on the billboard all over the place. He is an accident and injury law expert, and he is a UAB alumnus. How about this guy from New York State is a UAB alumnus. He's a politician, Chris Collins. And he's not in Congress anymore. He resigned, but he was a Trumpian from New York State. Chris Collins, how in the world did he end up at UAB? I'm not exactly sure. But they also have various other alumni, a lot of sports guys and gals, including a guy that the arena for basketball is named after, Murray Bartow, who has served at one time as an interim coach for UCLA. Also, Andy Kennedy, one of the best basketball players at UAB history, then ended up being a successful college coach at the University of Cincinnati and the University of Mississippi. 
and now is back at his alma mater as head coach of the UAB Blazer basketball program. Andy Kennedy, Louisville, Mississippi's own, a UAB alumni. And then they have former NFL player and Atlanta Falcon player Roddy White is a UAB alumnus and much more also. And then maybe one of their more famous alum that I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit is considered a country music singer, but he is a former UAB quarterback. Sam Hunt. Sam Hunt played for the UAB Blazers at quarterback mm, mid-2000s. Even had a tryout with the Kansas City Chiefs. But this guy who's had a couple of big songs in music history, perhaps maybe one of the more famous UAB alums out there, singer-songwriter Sam Hunt, who was a native of Cedartown, Georgia, before finding his way to Beham and being a blazer. In fact, a couple of years ago, he helped do the picks on college game day, and he was promoting his beloved UAB Blazers before the big game. And that's a list of some of the UAB alums and a little bit of the traditions and more about the now 52-year-old University of Alabama at Birmingham, UAB. UAB has 23,000 students, and they've got a lot of undergraduate students, right around 14,000, but they've got 8,000 postgraduate students. And let me just tell you, if you don't live in Alabama, you may not know this. Let's say you go to the, you want to go to Alabama and be a doctor. You want to be a physician. Well, you can't go to the Tuscaloosa campus and become a doctor. The medical school for the University of Alabama is part of UAB. So that is kind of how they got their start. A lot of nurses, a lot of doctors go through UAB. And that is a lot of ways how they got to be first famous. But they've grown from that, and now they have this sprawling presence on the south side of Birmingham, and now they've got a sprawling football team and more with that many students and that big of a presence. That's why Conference USA's UAB Blazers we decided with their brand new protective stadium about to open to this is an exciting program that we here at the Y'all Show in our first stop of 44 stops across the South. We wanted to make the Blazers our first of 44 stops in admiration of what the excitement that they have going on there, Coach Clark and more. Congratulations, Blazers. Best of luck in the 2021 football season. When the Y'all Show comes right back after this break, we will bring you the latest news headlines from across the South. Stay tuned and go Blazers! All right, got just a handful of minutes here left in hour number three of the Y'all Show today. So let's dive into some of the latest headlines making news across the region. And right now, eyes on the Florida region as the Gulf Coast of that state undergoing the effects of Tropical Storm Elsa as it brings wind and heavy rain. As of 11 a.m. Eastern Time, the National Hurricane Center 
declare the storm was making landfall in Taylor County. That's on the northern Florida Gulf Coast, as Elsa was centered 65 miles north-northwest of Cedar Key, and that's about 115 miles west of Jacksonville. Maximum winds were estimated at 65 miles per hour by the National Hurricane Center as the storm drifted north at 14 miles per hour. But this is now classified a tropical storm as Elsa hitting the Florida Gulf Coast today and going to likely work its way northeast and affect Jacksonville, South Georgia, into the low country of South Carolina over the next few hours. More news out of the Miami area. And in Surfside, Florida, the condo collapse of the Champlain Towers, death toll now at 46. It's climbed today up more bodies found. 46, the current death toll, and that just awful tragedy that's going on in the Sunshine State. Nicole Hannah-Jones, we've told you about this woman. She is the big-time journalist winner. I think she won a Peabody or Emmy or something. I don't know what she's won. Investigative journalist Jones, you might have seen her on TV. She's got purple hair. She helped come up with the 1619 Project. She tried to get on the faculty at UNC, a school she has a master's degree from. And they initially turned her down, then they voted. We've told you all about it on the Y'all Show in, in past weeks. They ultimately reversed their decision and allowed her to get tenure in her chair there in the journalism school that she was going to have, the night chair in race and investigative journalism. No, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong position. Wrong school. Nicole Jones in the news because after all that went on at UNC where they reversed decision, had a lot of negative stories, this week she announced on CBS this morning that, guess what? I'm going to take over the night chair in race and investigative journalism at Howard University. So she's essentially shoving UNC aside after they went through all these steps and protests to take a job at an HBCU in Washington, D.C. Ridiculous after all of that madness. A mom in Memphis terrified after finding a stranger in the bathroom while she was in there showering. Can you believe this? Woman that we're not sure of her name because I guess she doesn't want this out there. But she was getting a shower. She comes out and somebody's in the bathroom with her. How would you like that to happen? I'm not sure if they've got the person in custody yet or not call crime stoppers in memphis if you know anything about this 901-528 cash is the way to reach out there but yeah exterior lighting around the home should have gone off that would have at least scared off this person before they decided to come into the bathroom while she was in there getting all prettied up this kind of thing we all fret and are scared about that this could happen to us and Lo and behold, it happens to a woman in Memphis. Luckily, she's okay. Nothing too serious, but a scary scene. And a feel-good story to wrap up our headlines here on today's Y'all Show on our news headlines. Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, they celebrated 75 years of being together this week. Congratulations to the former president and former governor of the state of Georgia. Again, 75 years is what Jimmy Carter says, a full partnership And they got going as a couple when Carter, who was at the U.S. Naval Academy as a midshipman back in the 1940s, 
got set up with Rosalind on a date. And after all these years, now the 96-year-old former president is the longest living former president of all of the 45 men who've served as chief executive. And he still calls Georgia and Plains his home. And he teaches Sunday school and now together 45 years. And they got married, by the way. This is not their... Uh, here's the news. Today, I knew there was something to it. Today is Jimmy and Rosalind Carter's 75th wedding anniversary. July 7th, 1940. Six, yeah, that's the year that they got married. 75 years ago, the Carters tied the knot. I wonder if they did it in a peanut patch in Plains, Georgia. We're going to wrap up the Y'all Show right after this. Stay tuned. This is the Y'all Show. All right, that's going to put the Y'all Show Wednesday edition in the books. We'll be right back here come Thursday with an all-new show about the South. And the Memphis Tigers are going to be our spotlight school as we are on our 44-city tour across the Southeast. We'll be back then, so don't miss out on the fun. This is Y'all. Y'all.